Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 14, the Gospel of John chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 14. We're not going to read it in the beginning here. We are going to uh, do it in the course of our message, but I'm going to ask you one more time if you would stand uh, stretch, uh, nobody uh, falling asleep. Hopefully the blood is flowing. You, so, some of you that need coffee, you've had your coffee. And so we will do our best to, uh, to deliver the message this morning. But let's pray that God would open our hearts to receive whatever it is that he has for us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time uh, that we are having. And Lord, we know that you've got divine appointments established this morning. Uh, we know, we, we like to say that, Lord, nothing happens by accident. And so, Lord, you are here. Uh, Lord, you are moving. Lord, you are speaking. Lord, you are encouraging. And we pray, God, that you would use your word mightily this morning, that uh, you would let us know that you're with us and that, Lord, uh, you are wanting to touch us. And so have your way. In Jesus' name, God's people said... Amen. Amen. Great to have our college students back. Kevin, I'm sure mom and dad, everybody loving having you uh, back. Uh, the, these other ones, they come back so often. Kevin hasn't been back in a while, and so uh, they are loving that. And so years ago, there was a, a very wealthy man, a very wealthy man who, with his devoted young son, uh, shared a passion for art collecting. Together, they traveled all around the world, adding uh, only the finest art treasures to their collection. Uh, priceless works of art by Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet and many others adorned the walls of their family estate. The widowed father looked on with great satisfaction as his, as his only child became an experienced art collector. Uh, but the day came when war engulfed the nation and uh, the young man actually left to serve his country. And after only a, sh a few short weeks, his father received a, a dreaded telegram that his beloved son had been killed in the war while carrying a fellow soldier to get medical attention. So now on Christmas morning, a knock came at the door of the old man's home. And as he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a very large package in his hand. And he introduced himself to the man saying, I, I, I was a friend of your son. In fact, I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I please come in and, and just have a few moments of your time. I, I have something that I really want to show you. You see, I'm an artist, said the soldier, and I want to give you this. And as the old man, he unwrapped the large package. The paper gave way to reveal a portrait of his beloved son. And to no surprise, he was, he was moved to, to tears as he accepted this great and awesome gift. And though the art critics would never consider uh, the work a, a piece of genius, uh, the painting did feature the young man's face in striking detail, and it also seemed to capture his personality. The following spring, the, the story goes that the old man became ill and quickly he passed away. And so now the art world was in great anticipation. See, according to the will of the old man, all of the works of art that they had collected over, the, over time would be auctioned. And the day soon arrived when art collectors from, from all around the world, they gathered to, to bid on, the, on some of the world's most spectacular and priceless paintings. And now interesting enough, the, the auctioneer, he he began with a painting, uh, auctioning a painting 
that wasn't even on the museum's list. What painting do you think it was? It was the painting of the man's son. And so when the auctioneer asked for an opening bid, the room went silent. Who will, who will start the bidding with $100, he said. Minutes felt like hours passed by without a sound from anyone wanting to buy it. And eventually from the back of the room, someone callously shouted, who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of the, the guy's dead son. Let's forget about it and go on to, to the important paintings. And soon there were other voices that echoed that same sentiment. But the auctioneer replied, no, no, I have been instructed to sell this one first. Now who will take the son? And finally, a friend of the old man, a friend of the family spoke up and said, well, you know, I, I, I know the boy, so I guess I'll, I'll bid $100. I have a bid for $100, called the auctioneer. Will anyone go higher? $110, $120, $100. After a long, awkward silence, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, going three times, sold. The gavel fell. The painting sold. Suddenly, cheers filled the room and, and someone was heard to say, good, now we can get on with it. But suddenly, the auctioneer turned at the audience and announced that the auction was over. Stunned in disbelief, now the quieted, it, it just, the quieted room was just like, what is going on? And then someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We, we didn't come here for some picture of, of some old guy's son. What about the other paintings? There are millions of dollars worth of, of priceless art here, and we came to buy. We demand that you explain what's going on right now. The auctioneer replied, it's very simple, actually. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. I want you to think about that. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. And today, if you think about it, the essence of the Christmas story is in that statement, a simple statement. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. Let's go. First uh, John uh, 5, verses 11 and 12, uh, it says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son, he, he who has the Son has life, and, this, and, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. And then go to our text, John chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, up on the screens, I believe. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so the word, speaking of Jesus, the word became human. The word became flesh and, and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and, and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a series called My Christmas Wish List. 
The first week we talked about having love, right? Uh, and on our wish list. And last week we talked about joy. Say joy. joy. So if you recall, we, we looked at some simple words leading up to the, the and surrounding the great joy that was promised by the angel to the shepherd as a, as a result of the birth of Jesus, right? And we unpacked those very simple words for you. I think we had a little bit of fun with it. And uh, words that can still speak to us today. And, and what, what were those words? We looked at simple words like night and light and fright and all right. We also looked at phrases like good news and great joy and global message and granted to us. And through those basic words, we discovered a universal message that tied them all together, right? See, without Christ, we said that it's like living in, in the darkness of night. And each and every one of you, you may or may not have a story of when you lived in that night, when night was a reality to you and you did not know Jesus and you did life and it was just kind of like maneuvering through the dark. But then light comes when the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. It's when you get a revelation of Jesus, right? That light comes on into your life and the Holy Spirit is doing that work. We know it's the Holy Spirit that leads us to salvation. And then in the process of getting that revelation of Christ, we said that sometimes we experience some fright. You, you might say, maybe you missed it. You're like, fright, why? The, the night has gone to light. Well, in the process, the fright comes from uh, really realizing the sin, that has so separated you from God that you were headed for a devil's hell. And so the fright comes in the fact that if you don't deal with that sin, if you're not dealing with that sin, it could lead you to a place where, where you are dealing with just the consequence of that sin. But soon, like the shepherds, we discover that it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right because God's plan includes good news. Say good news. The good news that Jesus was born to save us from sin. And, and that message still brings great joy. Aren't you glad that the message of Jesus still brings great joy? Uh, it brings great joy today. And I love it that it's a global message. It's not for a, a specific group of people. It's not uh, speaking to just those people in that, on that continent or in that part of the world. But it's a global message for everyone everywhere. In fact, we know that it's a joy to the world, we said, uh, uh, which means that it's also granted to you. It's personal. It's a personal message, which is why we should always, always keep joy on our Christmas wish list. Now, listen, this week we want to wrap it up uh, by focusing on hope. Would you say hope this morning? Hope. One more time, say hope. Hope, hope is uh, uh, found in Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ. So having hope on our Christmas wish list means several things to us, and I want to explore it real basic this morning, but at the same time causing us to think a little bit more about our Jesus experience. We know that first, if hope is on your Christmas wish list, it means that you have the ability that we can know what God is really like. Has anyone asked you or been curious about what God is like? If you've ever seen some videos about kids kind of exploring that question, they can come up with some pretty funny answers. Uh, what is God like? And a lot of times it's based on their experience, whether uh, they've been in church or whether a Christian has treated them nicely or maybe not so nicely. And so uh, you'll get some feedback. But again, if hope is on your Christmas wish list, it means that you and I get to know, and I mean really know, the living God. Webster's defines hope as a feeling that what is wanted will actually happen. 
It's a desire. So feeling, desire. It's a desire accompanied by an expectation. Again, this is Webster's. But that's not quite what we're talking about this morning. See, feelings and desires can sometimes lead us to disappointments. Anybody want to say amen to that? Feelings and desires can sometimes lead us to disappointment. But the Bible's basic philosophy of hope says that hope is an expectation based on the promises of God. Hope is an expectation based on the promises of God. Hope is based on a promise from God that is solid. And guess what? God never disappoints. He never disappoints. That's why we can have hope in him. That's why we can have hope in his promises. We can trust him every step of the way. Like I said, he's a, he's a promise keeper. Again, if hope is on your Christmas wish list, we said that we can know what God is like. But even in the word no, that word can be tricky. I mean, you can meet somebody once. You can meet them one time and not really know them, correct? Sometimes when we're younger, we say, oh, I know that person, uh, but you don't really know that person. You know about them. Maybe you know their name. Maybe you met them once a long time ago, or, or just like you can shake someone's hand like some of you did this morning, but you don't really know that person. If you shook somebody's hand who, who you, you know, maybe you introduced yourself and, and now you're an acquaintance, you might know their name. Uh, you might remember, I, I can play 50 questions this morning and see if you can remember two or three of the names that you shook hands with. And I have a feeling you may not remember. Some of you are good though. You'll remember, you'll rattle them off. But shaking someone's hand does not guarantee that you know them. On the other hand, and listen to this, you can sometimes spend 10, 20 years with someone and one day you find out that the person you thought you knew is not really the person that you know. Maybe they only let you believe that you thought you knew them. So how can we really know God? How can we really know him? We're coming to Christ as a baby, the coming of Christ as a baby gave us a living picture of who God really is. In fact, Jesus being born in a manger, it put a face on God for us. Then as we read the Bible, we can see what he said and what he did while he was here on earth and, and how God used Jesus, his life, to pay the price for our sins. And then ultimately, accepting Jesus as Savior, we know that that brings us to a place where we can really get to know God by personal experience. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, he, speaking of Jesus, is the exact living image. I love this. It's the amplified version. He, speaking of Jesus, is the exact living image, the essential manifestation. Say essential. It's the essential. He's the essential manifestation of the unseen God. He is the visible representation of the invisible the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign, the originator of all creation. Verse 16, for by him all things, say all things, all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible. And so basically the God of the universe came to earth wrapped in a human body. I don't know if you've ever given that thought. I know that every year when we celebrate Christmas, you might at your home uh, set up a manger scene or a nativity scene of some sort. And, and uh, you know, you kind of gone through the motions of that and you don't maybe really think about it deeply anymore. But what a depth in that experience, in that knowledge that God, the, the creator of all the universe, 
who has spent every uh, you know, day and every uh, uh, millennium up in, in the heavens, one day decided that the only way to reach these people that he created was to come, leave his heavenly home, his heavenly throne, and come down and be born like a baby. That's wild. He came to live among us so that we can know and experience what he's truly like. He also came to teach us. We know that Jesus modeled a life of faith and love for us to, to, to show us God's heart. In fact, he taught us what we could do with the grace and the mercy and the compassion that he has given us in our broken and messed up world today. Jesus showed us that God always, always had a plan to reach the world, but now his perfect love would lead him from the cradle to the, to the cross. Listen, hope is connected to knowing what God is like, and it's wonderful. Imagine this morning what the world would be like if Jesus Christ had never come to earth. You don't want to think about it. That's a horrible thought, isn't it? If Jesus had never come. But, but we would never have know the love of a personal, kind, and caring God apart from Christ. There would be no Christmas. There, there would be no gift symbolic of God's greatest gift. There would be no Christmas carols or hymns. The world without Jesus would be always cold winter and never Christmas. Without Jesus, Mary Magdalene would have died in her sin. Matthew would still be a vile tax collector. Peter, James, and John would have done nothing more than been fishing all of their lives. The Apostle Paul would still be a cruel religious Pharisee steeped in legalism. Without Jesus, the people who really needed healing would have stayed sick. The blind would have remained in darkness. The deaf would have, would live in silence. We would never have the words of John 14, 27 saying, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Without Jesus, we wouldn't have that peace. We wouldn't have that assurance. See, this is why we sing about Emmanuel at Christmas. This is why, because God is with us. He was with us over 2,000 years ago, and he's with us today, right now, present in this moment, to show us what God is really like, and it's great. So we have a God who, who cared enough to come to us, a God who, who let us know who, what his heart was really like, and no other religion in the world could claim that. And so Christ, he showed us what he was like. He, he showed us his name. He showed us his identity and that it was all wrapped up in love. In fact, Jesus is the greatest friend of sinners and failures. And because Christ showed us what God is like, we want to be like him or should want to be like him. That's what having hope on our Christmas wish list does for us. We can truly know what God is really like. And it changes you, right? It changes you to the core. Some of you can say with confidence that you're not the same person you were years ago because of Jesus this morning. We've been transformed by the grace. Who's been transformed? Anybody? You've been transformed by his grace. You've been renewed by the love of Christ. And we can extend grace to others because it's been so wonderfully extended to us. And we can also give because he gave to us. 
We can truly live an abundant life. I love the way some translations, when these refer to abundant life, they say life, life, and more life because he's given us eternal life. And so because Jesus came and he was born in a manger, we can have hope today and we can know what God is really like. Secondly, if hope is on our Christmas wish list, it means that our sins can still be forgiven today. Very simplistic. I know some of you are like, yeah, I, I, I know this. I came to Jesus. I gave him my life and he, he washed me and he renewed me. But did you know that some people struggle with their ongoing battles? And that in those battles, sometimes the enemy will use those things and those failures and those sins to cause us to go back to the life we said we would never go back to. And sometimes in, in, the, in, in the feeling of defeat that we have sometimes when there is a reoccurring sin or, or when we are having a battle with something that all of a sudden the enemy would say, you should just give up. You should just stop living for God. You should just do your own thing. And, and the hope of Christmas means that we can still be forgiven today. Think for a moment of the worst thing that you've ever done, that, that thing that makes you feel most ashamed this morning, and then think of what it would be like if Jesus had not come into this world to offer hope and you had never been forgiven. Again, that's a horrible thought. You don't want to dwell there too long. But what would it be like? Your guilt would never be relieved and condemnation would always be hanging over your head. And yet since Jesus came, we know that forgiveness has come to those of us who have received hope and, and grace, the grace that Christ came to offer. We actually get to know the freedom that forgiveness brings all because of Jesus. Say Jesus this morning. Again, you're free this morning because of Jesus. You get to know God because of Jesus, amen? Uh, that forgiveness is yours. Listen, in fact, we can forgive ourselves, and I can hang out here for a moment. We can forgive ourselves, because some of us, we don't have trouble forgiving other people. We have trouble forgiving ourselves. And so that kind of wears on us. And, and again, the, the grace and the mercy extends outward, but never towards you. But because of what Jesus has done, because, of, because Jesus was born, you know this morning that if hope is on your Christmas wish list, you can experience that forgiveness. You can forgive others today because we've experienced the liberating forgiveness that Christ came to give us. And that gives us even more hope. But if Jesus had never come, we would only have maybe some commandments to follow, Old Testament, right? Laws given to the Jews that we might try to understand and I think we might even feel like we're second class compared to God's special chosen people. Listen, if you read, I was talking with some folks about some things that we have read in the Old Testament and it's interesting people's perspective when they share about when they read scripture. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I read from the Old Testament as a new Christian, I just kind kind of found myself questioning God, like, God, why did you kill those people? Why did you wipe them out? I asked the question that many people ask today, if God is such a loving and a merciful God, why, why did he wipe out those people? And one moment he said they were his, and the next moment they were murmuring, and they were gone. And so I found myself asking those questions and, and uh, even to the extent that we know that when Jesus came, he, he included us and there was kind of an, an outreach to the Gentiles that we definitely see in the New Testament that we don't quite see in the old. But did you know that it was there? 
That was supposed to be the, the mission of the Jewish people was to reach the Gentiles with their God, but, but they didn't do such a good job. And in fact, they focused a lot on the differences that they had and, and the, 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 the Samaritans and, and what kind of vile, wicked sinners they were. It sounds familiar sometimes to some of the way we think because... You know, we might not say it with our lips or with our words. Sometimes we look at people that sin differently than we are, and we might not think that, that forgiveness extends to them. That's foolish. It extends to you. It extends to them. That's what having hope on your Christmas wish list means. And so, listen, if, if Jesus had never been born, we would never hear those great words in John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only what? Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We would be, without Christ, we would be missing a Savior. We would be missing a Deliverer. We would be missing that personal God that we can talk to. And, and again, you know, uh, some of you know that, you know, from my Catholic background, there was, you know, for myself, I can only speak from my experience, there was a definite disconnect where I just always felt like I was never holy enough, like I was never right enough that I could never, God forbid, if I wanted to talk to God myself, somebody else needed to do that. Or, or I, maybe I needed to recite a prayer a thousand times be, before he would begin to even listen. But that's not the personal God that you and I can know today. Amen? He reveals himself as a personal God. If Jesus had never come, there would be no talk of forgiveness and reconciliation to God. Again, only laws maybe to be obeyed and a faint possibility to understand the God of Israel. We would talk more about justice and less about love, more about getting people getting what they deserve rather than finding mercy with God and experiencing grace to start again. See, if Jesus had never come, the woman caught in adultery would never have heard the words, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. You see, you and I this morning, we're children of God because we've been forgiven as an act of grace. That Jesus Christ himself, he made possible by his death. And you see, his forgiveness, literally, it brings transformation into our lives. And so Christ came not only to cleanse our hearts, but to change our hearts com completely. And so we are being transformed into his character more and more, more and more with each passing day. And if hope is on your Christmas wish list this year, our sins can still be forgiven today. How many of you are glad that your sins can still be forgiven today? Finally, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. If, if hope is on our Christmas wish list, it means that heaven can be our home. Heaven can be our home. We, I don't think we talk enough about heaven. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and my wife says this once in a while. It kind of freaks me out a little bit. She's like, I'm ready to go with Jesus. I'm, I'm ready to go now, and, and I get her enthusiasm, but I'm like, hold the train. Hold, you know, let's, uh, I don't know what I would do in this house with these kids right now, and so just, just wait. Just wait a second. And somebody else said the same thing to me the other day. I, I'm ready to go, Pastor Freddie. And I'm just like, you know, just slow down. Slow down. It's, it's you know, the Lord knows your days your days are numbered and so your time lord you know if the lord tarries your time will come your time will come 
But if hope is on your Christmas wish list, heaven can be our home. See, heaven, I, I don't know if you, you, you've thought about this for you, is that heaven was made possible for us by Jesus. Heaven was made possible by, he's the creator. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And, the, you know, and just all of those things as we begin to think that the word is God. That the word was spoken and all the world was created. And heaven was created. All because of our God. Think about what the world would feel like if there was no hope of heaven. What would you say at a funeral of a loved one if Jesus had never come? There would be no hope beyond the grave. You, you couldn't talk about heaven or have any reason of hope for eternal life with God. Only the reality of dissolving into the night. Here today, gone tomorrow, forgotten forever. Some people feel like that that don't know Jesus, they feel like that. They're like, we just live this life. We, we gather up the toys. We have all the fun that we can because when it's done, it's done. Oh, what great deception. What great deception. If I had a, I've used this illustration verbally before. If I had a rope this morning, I would show you the tip of the rope taped in red. And I would say, look at this long rope that I have all across this, this auditorium. And I want you to know that your life is in the red here on earth but the rest of your life the eternity is the rest of the rope and where you spend that eternity guess what guess what you've heard me say this before where do you decide that now or later you decide now you decide now life without a hope of heaven would just be sad the Bible actually confirms that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 19, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, say only. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. So we say the hope has to extend to heaven. The hope has to extend into eternity. And so if Jesus had never come, there, there would be no book of Revelation and, and there would be no hope of a, a returning Savior who would overcome the world and open up a new heaven and a new earth for us. There would be no hope of hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. There wouldn't be any hope of a resurrection, not even the concept of one. There would be no eternal life, nothing to anticipate except the closing of the casket lid and the coldness of the grave. But because Jesus came, but because a baby from heaven was born in a manger, but because he came and he lived a sinless life and he took our sin on his shoulders and he carried a cross that he didn't deserve to carry and he was nailed to that very cross that he carried and he died and three, three days later he rose again. Today we have the hope of heaven. Today we live in joyful anticipation of what is yet to come. Worship team, come. We live in joyful anticipation of what is yet to come and we can keep hope on our Christmas wish list. I want you to know in his book, Dare to Believe, Dan Bowman illustrates what it's like to know that something is yours. Listen, to know that something is yours even if you have to wait for it. We call it, on, in, with earthly terms, delayed gratification. 
uh, as human beings, as, as people who live on this planet Earth, we don't like that. We don't like, we, we are fast food all the way. Even if you don't eat fast food, you are fast food. You want your answer yesterday. You want your answer to prayer yesterday. You want things to happen yesterday. We don't like to wait. But this guy, he, he illustrates that you may have it in hand and you're not able to enjoy it out of the box just yet. He says that he, when he was young, he always did a lot of snooping around at Christmas time, trying to find his gift and actually figure out what was actually wrapped in the packages that mom hid all over the place. So he's checking on their beds and in the closets. And, and one year he discovered a large package with his name on it that he knew had to be that set of golf clubs he asked for. One shake of the box revealed the unmistakable sound of some awesome golf clubs. He says, when mom wasn't around, I would actually go and feel the package and shake it and pretend that I was on the, on the golf course using those golf clubs. The point is, I was already enjoying the pleasures of a future event. I mean, it had my name on it. And I knew what it was. And so it was his. But it would not be handed over to him until Christmas morning. Only then would he see with his eyes what before he had only seen with his heart. Christmas, Christmas means that Christ has given us the gift of heaven. Amen. And so to this point, at this point, hope is on our wish list. And the gift is still wrapped up under the tree or in a corner somewhere. But the package has your name on it. We know what awaits us. It's ours for sure. That's hope. But we wait, we wait with steady expectation, longing for the day when we'll enjoy the gift of heaven in all of its unwrapped wonder and glory. Those that have gone before, we get to reunite with them. We get to hug them. We get to enjoy their company once again. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2.13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And if hope is on our Christmas wish list, heaven will be our home. And so today will come when we will hear the words of Revelation 21, 3 and 4. Look, God's home is, is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these are gone forever and ever and ever. And so from the cradle to the cross, God's plan was to walk in close relationship with his people the people that chose him, to love them, to receive their love so his heart was for us even before we even knew he existed. And if hope is on our Christmas wish list, number one, we can know what God is like. Number two, our sins can still be forgiven today. And number three, heaven can be our home. 
That's true hope. Would you stand to your feet? So, so what's on your Christmas wish list this year? I, do you have love? Do you have joy? Do you have hope on there? I, if so, you need to know that all of those words and more are only found in Jesus Christ. And he's the greatest gift of all. Let's close in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for reminders. We thank you, Lord, that you've had a plan for us even before the beginning of time that, Lord, your grace is with us this morning. Your forgiveness is available to us. It is your desire to get to know us more and us to know you, to walk in relationship with us. And Father, I love it that you love us so much. You, you, you set up a place for us in heaven. There's a place for us in heaven because of Jesus. And we're thankful for it. We're thankful for you. Touch our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.